You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm so glad that you could join me for this conversation today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means to me is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. I'm joined on the podcast today by Tim Sanford from Focus on the Family, and we're talking about how to handle manipulative people. This is a subject that many of you listeners have either emailed me about, sent me DMs about. It's questions that we see regularly in the Beloved Collective Facebook group, and it's something that is tricky to know exactly how to handle. Tim is fantastic at discussing this topic and helping us to see biblically what our responsibility is in the situation. He wrote an article for Focus on the Family called How to Deal Wisely with Manipulative People, and we're going to be diving into some of what he addresses in that article today in this conversation. In this conversation, Tim and I discuss what manipulation is and the variety of ways that it can show up. He gives some practical guidance as far as how to handle a manipulative person, even if that person is somebody you are still co-parenting with, if this is an ex-partner or an ex-spouse. He also touches on what it is to equip our kids who might be dealing with a manipulative parent and how they then can be prepared moving into the future in their own relationships. If you're listening to this episode, I know you have suffered with a person who has taken advantage of you and manipulated you. And this conversation is going to be both empowering and healing for you as you move forward. If you've been in a relationship with a manipulative person, whether that is an ex-partner or even a parent, there's a lot of confusion and grief that has come along with that experience. And it's something that unknowingly can change the way that we experience relationships and keep us stuck in these long-term patterns of chronic loneliness. Over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz, I've created a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And it helps you to understand some thought processes or some behaviors that may actually be keeping you away from healthy relationships and what you can do about them. Again, if you'd like to go check that out, it's at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. I'd like to tell you about Tim Sanford. Tim is a licensed professional counselor and the clinical director of counseling services for Focus on the Family's Counseling Department. He's also a pastor, a public speaker, and the author of several books, the most recent being Forgive for Real, Six Steps to Forgiving. Tim and his wife, Becky, have two grown daughters and reside in Colorado. Tim and I had a two-part conversation last year on Forgive for Real and what it is to forgive but also have appropriate boundaries when it comes to a person that you can no longer trust. If you haven't checked out those episodes, I will keep those in the show notes for you so that you'll have a chance to check those out. I love Tim's perspective because he understands what it is for us to be dealing with toxic behaviors from the people in our lives, and he gives us very straightforward guidance and advice when it comes to knowing what to do about it. Here is my conversation with Tim Sanford. 
Tim, I'm so thankful to have you here for this conversation today. Manipulation is something that can be really hard to identify, but I feel that if we really get our heads around it, it's kind of one of those situations where we can't unsee it and then we can know how to deal with it correctly. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, good to be here, Michelle. Thank you. Yeah, I'd like to just dive right in on this topic of manipulation. You have a great way to understand it, both from kind of a relational psychological dynamic, but then also from a spiritual biblical lens as well. And I'd like to, as we jump in here, just kind of lay the foundation for what truly manipulation is and how we can pull back and and kind of get a bigger picture view of what we're dealing with as a relational dynamic. Well, yes, Michelle, that's a good place to start because let's start with separating out the difference between manipulation kind of behavior and somebody who's just maybe immature or socially awkward in this, even in a relationship. Because if they're immature or socially awkward, yeah, they're going to be bossy, they're going to be pushy, but there's no real intentional agenda Mm. deep behind it. Mm -hmm. They may be selfish or self-absorbed. Yeah, they may be. But generally, they'll adjust or back off a little bit when they're confronted. They may moan and groan and complain, but they're fairly benign. You know, it's just kind of awkward and, and difficult and unpleasant. Mm-hmm. With somebody who's manipulative, there is an agenda. And that's hard for people to believe. Yeah. We don't want to believe it. If it doesn't sound nicey, nicey and Christiany, there's an agenda. It's a pattern of their interactive behavior with you. So it's not just once in a while it comes out, there's a pattern, there's a, a sequence to it. And it's been a perfected skill. Mm. It's become a tactic of theirs. And again, we don't want to hear that because we don't think people can be intentional because it is very, very intentional and sometimes very calculated. Mm. So that's the difference between the two kind of people with it. So with the manipulative kind of person, the agenda is they want to dominate. It is about power and control. That is the end game for them. And for some of them, it is a game. Mm -hmm. It's power and control. And if you look at anything on the internet as far as domestic violence, you'll see the power and control wheel. Domestic violence is not about hitting you. It's about power and control. And you hear that same dynamic, that same undertone with the manipulative person. It's power and control. So... With that, a working definition that makes the most sense to me, it's a little complicated. There's four parts to it. So let me go down through it. But remember, manipulation is a verb. So there's action going on here. So it's a person who, A, attempts to control you, B, for their own good and benefit and purpose, not for yours. Although they'll tell you that, but it's really for their benefit. Mm -hmm. C, by force, coercion, causing you confusion, expressing threats, whining, moaning, groaning, ignoring you, any kind of behavioral method. And then D, to stop you from making your own free will decision and doing what you think is best and wise. It's intentional and there's always an agenda. I really appreciate that you laid out those pieces because again, as I mentioned before, This can be something that's really tricky to see when you're in it, especially if you're a person like I used to be, where I could not believe that someone would intentionally choose 
to manipulate someone. I really got suckered in by the, oh, well, I forgot. And, you know, those kind of things when there really is an intention to confuse you and to distort your reality. And I feel like when we can start to see those puzzle pieces, we can look at those people that we're in relationships with that might be using this as a, a tactic in the way that they I guess, communicate with us, although I don't know that that's really, <laughs> it's relate to us, essentially. Well, you, you don't have, let me interrupt you. You can't have a relationship mm. with a manipulative person. You can have interactions with a manipulative person. You that's hear the difference? Good. Yes. Because it's not about you and me and getting to know each other. It's about power and control. It's a game. Mm. So there's interactions, but it's not really interrelationship it's not really communication. It's not. That is great. And when we put the word Christian in front of it, then we try to think everybody's safe and wonderful and nicey-nicey. And no, that's not true either. Yeah. And relationally, I can see what you're saying then. It's a one-way street in that sense that you might be thinking that you are in a two-person uh, exchange, but that with a manipulative person, it is a one-way street that they are purely seeing you as a means to an end to get their agenda and their needs met. Correct. And they don't want you to see that. They want you to still keep believing it's a two-way street because mm. that then gives them the advantage. Gosh. So Tim, as far as being in an interaction then with a manipulative person, sometimes this is difficult also because it shows up differently that the styles, as you mentioned in the article that you wrote about this for Focus on the Family, that the styles vary somewhat. So can you give us some insight into what some of those styles of manipulation are? Well, yeah, and it can be very confusing, you know, because think of it, first of all, let's back up. Think of it this way. Think of a stage play, okay? It's a drama. Well, yeah, there's going to be some drama here anyway, so no pun intended. But the manipulative person has become the self-appointed playwright. So they write the script. They put themselves in a role. And then that puts you in a role. And if you play the role they give you, there'll be some drama. It'll all go their way. You'll get worn out, but it won't be too bad. Hmm. And so there's three basic styles that manipulators use. And regardless of who you read, they may call them different names and titles, but there's three styles with it. The first one is called the master or the boss. So they have their script. And it's to be in control. And they hand you a script, and your script is to shut up and obey. Mm. You are to submit. Mm -hmm. Now, you can see where if it's in a marriage and it's the husband and they go to church, well, the Bible says mm -hmm. that you are to submit to me. And you can see a lot of that, but they have set the stage play to I'm the master, I'm the one in control. Here's your role, submit, and you shut up, okay? Mm -hmm. That's one style there. And it can be very boisterous and very overpowering. Mm -hmm. It could also be just kind of that quiet, silent, just kind of give you that glare and that stare mm -hmm. that just says, die. Mm -hmm. Makes your but skin still, mm -hmm. you shut up and you obey. Mm -hmm. Or else. It, it, and just even my silence here on the, yes. the, the podcast, it gets you yeah, a little creepy. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's that power and control part. So the first one is the master. The second one, and this one can get real confusing for some people. This is the, this is the martyr. This is the, the, the victim person. So the, the master is the big bully mm -hmm. in a sense. 
This is the oh, poor me, the, the martyr. And their role, their script is to be victimized. They're the ones that have been hurt. And, and here's what gets confusing. Your role is to rescue me then. So you need to pick the kids up in my place. You need to pay for things. You need to, you need to, you need to, in a sense, cover my irresponsibility. Mm-hmm. Because somebody hurt me. Oh, poor me. And I, I can't get out of bed because I'm depressed. So you have to work two jobs, pick up the kids at school and do all the stuff at home too, because oh, poor me, I can't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here's the weird thing with this, Michelle, though, is if you don't rescue me the way I want you to, you hear the power and control. Now you become the persecutor. Now you're, uh, well, the reason I'm depressed is because you don't give me enough sex. And that's why I'm depressed. And that's why I can't work. So it's all your fault. Mm-hmm. So it's this, since it's your fault, then it's up to you to fix it. Mm-hmm. But you don't fix it the right way. So it's your fault. So that you have to fix it. But you don't fix it the right way. And it's yeah. this crazy making cycle. Mm-hmm. So we have the master. We have the martyr. And then we have the, oh, the savior, hmm. the Messiah. So their role is to rescue you. And your role then is to be eternally grateful and indebted to me hmm. forever, hmm. ever. So that, yeah, I paid $20, you know, for your utility bill 20 years ago. Remember when I did that, you should be grateful for me. Hmm. And that gives me permission to do what I want. And you can't argue with me. You can't disagree with me. Because I saved you. And look what I did for you. Hmm. And it might have been a true thing. I did pay that $20 utility bill 20 years ago. So that's a fact. So see, you can't argue with the facts, can you? Right. But it's keeping a record. It's keeping a record. And then you let me do what I want because you're supposed to be grateful. Hmm. So you have the master. Mm -hmm. No, you have the martyr. And then you have the Messiah person. Those are the three styles of you know, manipulation that is used. And again, it's intentional and it's always for their benefit. Tim, do you see overlap where one person might use these different styles or if one doesn't work that they'll go try a different one and kind of move through a Rolodex like of or tools in their tool belt? What you see is one tends to be their dominant, their preferred, that they're more skilled at this one because mm-hmm. it works the most and it's easiest. So that's the one they do. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right, Michelle. If the master doesn't work for me after a while, then I'll go to the, well, you really don't appreciate what I've done for you. I mean, look at all the times I've picked up the children. Mm -hmm. Well, look at the times that I've done, you know, you really don't appreciate. I'm trying hard, Michelle. I really am. Mm -hmm. So they flip to the the Messiah. And then if that doesn't work, well, I guess you just don't appreciate anything I've ever done for you. And oh, that hurts my soul. So I'm trying to be a good Christian husband. And you see the martyr come out. Mm-hmm. And then if that one doesn't work, then you hear that, well, I've had enough of this. I'm going to take charge. And, and you back to the master. So you see this cyclical piece of master, Messiah, martyr, master, Messiah, around and around. And that's what gets your head spinning because you never know whether you're playing croquet or ice hockey because I'm always changing the rules on you. Mm-hmm. And, and so you see that. And that's what gets real difficult because they never come at you the same way. They'll have a primary style that works for them the most. And since we tend to be lazy people, we use what works the, the first system, the easiest for us. If that doesn't, we try other things. You're right. 
Mm-hmm. As far as the differentiation between manipulation and maybe like a legitimate complaint or a concern, how can we view this from that perspective? Because I can hear some of the things you're saying. They could sound like it's legitimate to say, well, hey, I'm, I've been picking the kids up all the time, but that's not manipulation. Can you help us understand what the difference would be there? Okay. Again, let's go back to what the intent is. Behind manipulation is power and control. It's to dominate. So yes, I may have picked up the kids a lot. And so I'm reminding you that I've done that. And again, in a healthy relationship, I will still allow you to make your own decisions and behave the way you think is best. I may disagree with your decision. I may disagree with your opinion, but I let you keep your opinion. I let you live out that decision. Mm -hmm. With the manipulator, I don't let you. I will keep coming back until you go, and then you give in. Okay. So the difference is I will respect you and allow you to make your own decisions, even if I disagree. And that's a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. With a manipulator, no, I will not allow you to do that at all. Uh-uh. I will overpower you some way, somehow, and I will find it. You hear the difference? Mm-hmm. Yep. That yep. makes complete sense. Now, in these type of dynamics, Tim, what are some signs that we can look for? Like, if we're not really sure if we're in, you know, one or the other, what are some some key signs that we can look for? Well, depending on your personality style and things, you're going to feel some of these signs and symptoms, maybe more than another person. They may feel some different ones. Um, and I've tried to encapsulate them down into just uh, five different ones that kind of summarize things. But the first one is you tend to, you want to avoid interactions with this person because you always come away feeling sick, worn out, exhausted, not happy, not better. It always seems to be a, You know, with it, just, and it's not just, I mean, once in a while, you can have a difficult relationship with a friend and interaction, but then the next one is great. This one, it seemed like it's almost always down, heavy. You come away sick to your stomach, just down. That's one possible way of feeling. Another one is just kind of come away like you're feeling crazy or going crazy. It's like, what just happened? What did they, how did I end up in this situation again? So that sense of feeling crazy is, is the second point that you a lot of times feel. The third one is the conversation just seems like it's the same conversation again and again, and they go around in circles and we never get anything done and solved. This is the discussion that never ends and it mm-hmm. goes on and on. It's just that it, I never get to the bottom of anything, never get to resolve. And what do we talk about anyway? I, I, and then the next conversation is the same all over again. It's like Groundhog Day. And that can create some of the confusion and craziness. That can create some of the tiredness too with it, but it just never gets resolved. Nothing gets settled. Uh, another one, number four is you find out that you, you're doing a lot of giving in more than you normally would just to make the pain go away. I mean, once in a while you do need to compromise. Once in a while you do need to adjust and flex and give in. But this is you find you're doing it just to make the pain stop. And you're doing it a whole lot more than you know is good to do. And then you kind of kick yourself afterwards. And the final one is if you have that feeling like you're being conned, tricked, set up for something, and you kind of feel that sense a lot, you probably are. And that's another one of those, how you can tell you might be feeling manipulated. And the bottom line, again, is you are not allowed 
to hold your own decision and do things the way you believe is right to do. That is never tolerated. I found that with situations that are chronically manipulative too, one of the big danger points is that because you are confused and questioning your reality, then you also feel somewhat foolish talking about it with other people. And yet that can be one of the most clear ways to see things is to pass it through a filter of a wise person that you trust to say, you know, this happened and then this happened and I'm seeing it again and again, like, is this normal? And I think that was something that was a light bulb for me is in comparing unhealthy relationships to healthy relationships. I didn't understand what the difference was until I started speaking up and people would say, oh, I'd be terrified if I was treated that way, or doesn't that scare you or, you know, something like that. And so often though we are relying not only on our own thought process, but we're relying on that manipulative person to kind of tell us what the reality is. And that's where some of that crazy can kind of keep going around. And and that's the whole purpose behind, you've heard the phrase gaslighting is to make you feel crazy. Because if you feel crazy, number one, you won't talk to your friends because, you know, the, the, the manipulative person is telling you, well, you're crazy and they'll see that you're crazy and we lock up crazy people. So, yeah, you don't think for yourself. And so since there's only two of us and you can't think for yourself because you're the crazy lady, mm-hmm. then we do it my way if mm-hmm. I'm the manipulative person. Mm-hmm. And I also then take the time to tell other people how crazy you really are. Mm-hmm. So they won't believe you when you do tell them things about me. And so it does, because again, the, the idea to power and control is to isolate you so that you don't talk and you don't get support. Mm-hmm. And one of the important things is to get that support from a friend, from you know, a coworker, from a counselor of, is this normal? Is this not? Help me put my bearings straight. Because if you don't know which way is up or down, then you can't make a decision and you won't move. Mm-hmm. And you'll stay in the unhealthy situation because you don't know which way to go. So it's very intentional. I feel sometimes too, we we think that we're going to see these things coming from a mile away. We think that they're going to be so glaringly obvious, but that's actually the complete opposite of how manipulation works. That the more under the radar, the better in the mind of the manipulator, because then you are able to distort not only one person's reality, but multiple people's reality. And that's where a lot of people in these situations get stuck because trying to explain it to a pastor or a counselor or, you know, a a trusted family member who knows both of you, it, it may come off actually that you are a little bit nuts because this is starting to twist you up into ways that you don't normally behave as you start to continue to just doubt yourself, doubt the situation and kind of just, go further down into the spiral. There is the agenda. There is the purposefulness. There is the calculatedness in this. And it's very intentional, like I said. Mm -hmm. Now, some of our listeners, Tim, they're either still dealing with this with a partner or a spouse, or they may be dealing with this with an ex. They may be dealing with it with a family member. Can you give us some guidance on what does the Bible say about handling these type of situations? The Bible actually does talk about this. I, a lot of times I start in the New Testament with Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Now, this, the setting is Jesus is talking to his disciples. So generally what Jesus says goes. This is pretty good stuff. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Let me stop right there for a minute. This is not a healthy, safe world all the time. Mm-hmm. 
It's a broken, fallen world, and there are broken, fallen people, and not everybody is nice. Inside the church, not everybody is nice and safe. Inside church leadership, not everybody is nice and safe. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, and this is Jesus talking to his own disciples, therefore be shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. I grew up as a missionary kid, a preacher's kid. I have not yet to hear a sermon on how to be shrewd as a snake. Mm. It doesn't sound, again, here it doesn't sound the nicey, nicey, the Christian love everybody. Mm -hmm. No, shrewd as a snake, this is how to be street smart. Hello, clue in, be aware, be the good kind of cunning, know what's going on, read behind the scenes. Yeah, your behaviors are still going to be correct and wise and right, Mm -hmm. but you need to be shrewd as snakes. And if Jesus says that to his own disciples, how much more today we need to be shrewd as snakes with that. A couple other passages that come to my mind are in the book of Proverbs. And again, Proverbs are not commandments. They're principles. They're wise sayings. So we, we apply them as they fit with our situation. Proverbs 27, 12. And that says the prudent... But that's the wise, the discerning person. The prudent see danger and take refuge. I'll come back to that in a second. Mm -hmm. But the simple, that's the naive, the gullible, keep going and suffer for it. I'm just trusting Jesus. I'm just praying for him. You hear the sarcasm come out in my Mm -hmm. preacher's good voice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. If you're simple minded like that, you're going to pay the price. You're going to get hurt for it. So the the idea of seeing danger is before it even gets to you, you take a different alternate trail. So if you're out on a hike with your kids and 20 yards ahead, there's a rattlesnake on the trail. Kids, let's walk real quietly. Let's step over Mr. Rattlesnake. Let's don't bother him. Let's try to be nice and just go on our way. Is that what you do as a mom? Nope. (laughs) No. No way. (laughs) I'm going a different direction 20 Uh yards away before a snake can do anything. And that's the idea, because by the time the snake bites you, it's too late. Mm-hmm. So that discernment, that wisdom, that shrewdness is, I smell a rat, something bad is coming, and so I'm getting the heck out of here. Mm-hmm. So the scripture talks about safety. Yes, and that's smart. The last one is Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. And that one says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Ever happened to you? Huh? Yeah. Whoever rebukes or tries to correct a wicked man incurs abuse. That ever happened before? Mm-hmm. Proverbs goes on to say, do not rebuke the mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will be wiser still. The principle is there are some people we don't talk to. There are some people we don't interact with and you don't even tell them I'm not interacting with you anymore. So they'll go here, fishy, fishy. And they'll try to say, well, why, Michelle? What did I do? And before you know it, an hour has gone by in the conversation and they have to hooked in. Mm-hmm. There are some people we stay away from. And it didn't say PS, except in the case of marriage. Yeah. That is one point that I always cling to with a lot of these scriptures that talk about healthy relationships and how to relate to people who are using evil tactics that it doesn't say in there, except if this is your spouse or except if this is your mom or that sort of thing that we are set apart. And that means we're going to have to make these difficult calls. But as you said, being shrewd as a snake, but 
being innocent as a dove means I see this for what it is, but I'm choosing not to let it change me. I'm choosing not to use what I know now for evil because that would make me a manipulator. But that me being shrewd means I see it for what it is, but I'm choosing a course of action that keeps my integrity in place. But it may mean, as you mentioned, I'm not going to bring it up with this person because if I do, they are not going to show themselves as one who wants to be reconciled, they're going to continue to use this as a manipulation tool and to flip it back in my direction. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Now, as far as our kids, so many of us know maybe that we are dealing with a manipulative ex-spouse or ex-partner, and we can see it playing out with our kids. And a lot of times the wisdom that we're told is don't badmouth the other parent and try to make our kids have great relationship with this other person. And we can see that manipulation. And sometimes it might look like our kids getting lots of gifts, or it could be that the parents said, oh, we're going to do this thing. And then they change their mind. Um, It could be that we see they're laying guilt trips on our kids, or maybe that their parenting is really lax. And so they're not holding our kids to the same standards as we are. It could be that they are bad-mouthing us and intentionally putting ideas into our kids' heads, or maybe even if there's a new girlfriend in the picture that it's, oh, you know, this is your mom, or now you have two moms, or, you know, that kind of thing. So when we see these behaviors, though, we're seeing our kids are being deceived and where we might feel like, okay, I have the power to say, I'm just going to kind of step back from this person. We might not be sure how to validate our kids' experience or what kind of lens we need to help them view this from. So what kind of advice do you have for the listener who is dealing with the situation? This is where it gets really hard and really unfair because the manipulator will use the kids against you. And you see that and you know that. I mean, where did we get the phrase kidnapping? That started back in Genesis when... Lucifer was kicked out of heaven. He couldn't attack God. So the best way to attack and hurt God is what? You hurt his kids. And we've been doing that ever since. So this isn't a new tactic. The the thing with the kids, first of all, let's go back to, again, defining our terms. Bad-mouthing, if you look up in the dictionary, which I did, bad-mouthing is to criticize severely, and then there's an intent to harm, okay? Telling the truth, then, is stating the facts in an objective manner with the intent to help your children. You hear the difference? Mm-hmm. So, well, bad mouth, again, the negative, really nice. No, no, wait, wait, no, that's not bad mouthing. Yet, yeah, do not bad mouth your ex. Correct. Right. Tell the truth to your children. Yes. Mm. They need to know the truth. John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah, he was talking about who he was as the Christ. That is a true principle about everything. 
I mean, is your gas tank empty in your car or not? The truth will set you free mm. instead of run out halfway down the interstate. Mm-hmm. Okay? Your kids need to know the truth. Now, based on their ages, how much detail? Not a lot. They need to know the truth. Here's an interesting thing we find in court of law a lot. He who tells his story first usually gets believed the most. Because if your ex is telling him all this stuff first, you're always on the defensive. Mm -hmm. You're always on the rebuttal. You're always trying to make up ground. They need to know the truth. You need to tell your kids as objectively as you can the facts. So write it out. Keep the adjectives and the adverbs to a minimum. Here are the facts. Here's what's really going on. Keep personal opinion out of it. And then keep all the gory details out. But they need to know what's going on. Mm. And and here's what I found working with with kids and with teens. They know a whole lot more what's going on than we give them credit for, even down to four and Mm five-year-olds. And they will draw their own conclusions, even if they're wrong conclusions. So the more accurate information they have, you can help them draw accurate conclusions. I appreciate what you said there about being kind of the first voice that they hear on these things, because I know a lot of times with myself or with other women, we're reacting or responding to what our kids are already bringing to us. Because like you said, they are, they're aware, they start to see things that don't line up. And I think sometimes we're afraid to step into that place to give them essentially what feels like we're giving you the narrative of what this is. But if I know, as you said, this is for your good and this is to validate that you see reality correctly. And I want to let you know that you're seeing things rightly, that there's a lot of not only security that builds in them understanding their situation and their life, but then it builds a great deal of trust, in, especially in a situation where the child might not trust you. If there's been a divorce or something like that, you said family's always going to be together and it's not anymore that there may be a a breach of trust that's happened in our kids' minds. And so by being able to address the situation that it just lets them know you see them and it strips away some of that crazy that manipulation may try to do to them that they can say, okay, no, I do see reality rightly so that they're not walking into this trap of deception and, and being used as a pawn. When they know the truth, it helps set them free. Mm-hmm. So good, Tim. I really appreciate that. As far as our older kids, the ones who may definitely know they're being manipulated, they can put words to that. They know this person, this parent only does this because they want to look good, those kind of things. We won't always be there to give them that first story. And they may already be telling themselves, you know, certain versions of stories and things like that. And we want to give them some tools going into those situations. So what are some things that we might do for those kids so that they know how to deal with a parent who they feel manipulated by? That's a real good question. And it's also, here's where you have to be intentional as well. Remember that the manipulator is very intentional. You need to be as intentional with your kids too. So first of all, is describing what manipulation is, describing the styles, what it looks like. And depending on their age, they're probably already dealing with some of that with their peers. Mm-hmm. So not only with you know their other parent or whatever, but in their own relationships. I mean, you could see this down in grade school. Well, Ginger said that if I really wanted to be a friend, I'd give her my Twinkie. 
they're already starting to feel some of that manipulation and that pull. Yeah, at that age, it's probably just some selfish immaturity and stuff. But early on, and so yeah, based on their age, you're talking about teens, they're clued in enough without the gory details, they need to know, here's the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked with teens for 40 plus years now, and I just talk to them straight, not rude and blunt and mean, but just here's the way it is. Because social media is talking that way to them. Mm -hmm. Their peers are talking that way. And if I try to couch it and be nicey-nicey or keep them little junior hires, no, let's talk straight. Here's the way manipulation works. And here's why it works. And then I, I ask questions. Okay, what do you see in your ex? I mean, what do you see in your dad or your mom? What, what do you see most? So explain to them what it is. Explain the styles to them and how the styles will tend to go. And then also tell them you will be attacked. Hmm. I don't know when, I don't know how, but you will. So expect that your weaknesses will be exploited. So if you have a real good tender heart, honey, he's going to go after that. If you got a real good you know, desire to, to rescue and, and help people, He's going to go after that. Um, and there's always that intention to be controlled. So listen for that. Be aware of that. Um, don't expect, here's, and these are some hard parts. Don't expect always to him to be reasonable. Don't expect him to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And don't expect justice to always win. Yeah. And that's not just with your dad or your mom. That's with your friends, your peers. That's with other adults too. Some people are reasonable. Some aren't. And then, okay, you know the three styles of manipulators. Okay, if the master comes at you, how how are you going to respond? Let's practice. What are you going to do? If the martyr comes at you, how are you going to respond? And if the Messiah comes at you, so, so they have some skills ahead of time of what of what to do. And then the, the last one is realize that the relationship is going to have limited depths, even though you want more. It'll have limited value and it'll have limited growth. I know you don't want that because he's your dad. She's your mom. Yes, they will always be your dad and mom. I'm not taking that away from you. This is how they are interacting. And it's not going to be the friendship, the relationship you wish. Not now, at least. And so part of that is just the truth. And lastly is, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's so good, Tim. I think that sometimes we're so afraid to give our kids like too much, <laughs> too much information or, you know, just we don't know what enough or too much really is. And I think there's a grieving, though, that goes on. For us, it's a shorter period of time when a relationship ends, but for them, it's a very long extended period of time because they're trying to make sense of things as they get older and being able to let them know this is going to hurt and it's probably going to keep hurting because you it's normal for you to want more because this is your parent, mm-hmm. but that this world is broken. This person does choose to interact in this way and this is what you can do to make that situation livable, but also you can do something different. And as we educate them on how to deal with a parent, that this could also give them the great relational tools as they move into their own relationships so that they're not repeating these cycles and they're not running after folks that are always going to manipulate them because they're just seeking that 
that love that maybe they feel that they're missing out on. Do you find that that's the case? Yes. And, and if I'm going to send my son or my daughter out on the football field, I'm going to make sure they got lots and lots of pads. Mm. Okay. Because everybody else does. They got a helmet, shoulder pads. I mean, yeah, I want them padded up. And, and so to not give my kids the information, not give them the tools, it's to send them out there without any pads on. They are going to get hurt and bruised and damaged. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do that to my kids. So again, that intentionality on my part, that proactiveness. And if I'm a single parent, I don't got a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I'd like to. And so here's where you got to be strategic. What's the most important information that I need to pass on to my kids? And yeah, their school grades may be down a little bit because we got a lot of other more important stuff to learn. Yeah. And so I'm going to do that for my kids. I'm going to teach them. This is the world in which we live. I'm sorry it's closer to home for you than I ever wished. It breaks our hearts as moms mm-hmm. and parents of, I hate to see my kids treated this way. That, 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 that's why kidnapping is so powerful. It's because you'll do anything for your kids. Mm-hmm. And they know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they'll set the price at any number and they'll, you'll get it for them. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a mom's heart. That's yeah. a parent's healthy heart. And so, yeah, we need to teach them and let them know. And sometimes we just sit with them and go, I don't know. I'm sorry. I do love you. I care. And when they do something right and smart, whether it's with their peers or with, you know, their other parent. Yeah. Good job. High five. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Tim, as a mom, I am so encouraged by your straight talk and by your just mm. solid advice about how we can walk through these things, but then how we can help our kids walk through them. Mm-hmm. As we wrap this conversation up, I ask every guest the same question at the very end. And that is, if there's just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I think if there was one single thing I would want moms to know is trust your instincts. Trust that gut of yours. It's a mom gut. It's there for a reason. Trust it. Don't always follow it blindly. No, but follow up on it. Mm-hmm. Learn or keep trusting your gut instinct as a mom. Do it. If you feel like you're being played or conned, you probably are. Mm-hmm. If it feels too good to be true, probably is. So trust that gut instinct of yours as a mom. That is fantastic. I think sometimes we get used to just kind of downplaying that and assuming that we're overreacting, but that is really how God works (laughs) to give us discernment about a situation when we otherwise don't have the information that we need. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. And some people even believe that that is the Holy Spirit working in us, speaking to us internally. So yeah, listen, Mm -hmm. please. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Tim, thank you so much. I wanted to know if you would close us out, uh, just helping us to understand if we want to know more about this, if we need more tools to give to our kids, how they can respond in these types of situations, how they can connect to both your resources and what Focus on the Family offers. Well, there's a number of articles that we have either for your kids or for you dealing with difficult people, um, how to have tough love, those kind of things on our website, focusonthefamily.com. So you can go... We keep trying to upload viable, you know, clinically accurate articles on these difficult topics on our website. So frequent our website, look there. If you want to call Focus on the Family and talk to one of the counselors there for a free 
one-time consultation. It's not a therapy session. It's kind of at first where I go from here, what questions we can answer and help with, point you towards resources. You can give us a call at 855-771-4357. That gets you into the counseling department here. They'll set up a, a day when you can talk with a counselor and just ask some of these hard questions. Fantastic. And I will have links to those resources in the show right. notes and also to the article that you wrote about dealing wisely with manipulative people and make it easy for our listeners to, to tap Good. into those resources. So thank you so much for joining me today, though, Tim. This was very, very helpful. Thanks for inviting me, Michelle. It's been a pleasure. Talking to Tim gave me such a greater sense of confidence in my ability to both identify manipulative behaviors, but then also know what to do about them. And I think the biggest thing that I gained from talking to him was knowing what I need to do, what I should be doing as a mom to equip my kids in the same way. I just pray that as you listen to this conversation today that you gained some tools as well in learning how to handle these types of really confusing situations. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you'd like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. 